The death of William Miller Jr. at Mount Tabor High School in Winston-Salem this past September marked the second school shooting in North Carolina since the beginning of the school year. On this next episode of Dispatches from Within, Radio 101 reporters Thomas Hunter and Philip McAllister pick up where a shooting ends and the process of healing for those left behind begins. 8.30, Kayla. On September 1st. So I just picked up on the scanner. Sheriff's Department's reporting gunfire at Mount Tabor High School. You can start some that way and maybe try to confirm. The lives of thousands of students Careful. that go to Mount Tabor High School in Winston-Salem changed forever. From what we can gather right now, suspect is still on the loose. Student has been shot. We're trying to get further. We're getting multiple calls also. William Miller Jr. was shot. He died. He was 15 years old. administrator screamed that he had a gun and so that's when everyone started running and then I was like oh that's Ben he's a student at Mount Tabor he was there the day that it all happened and so then I was like it took me a while to process it but as soon as I knew what was going on I instantly ran with them the story of the shooting kind of ends there I mean the school was placed on lockdown students were taken out and transferred to a different location to be reunited with their parents the suspect was apprehended about a week later, the students went back to class. Everybody was really calm. Usually a lot of people at Tabor are really like rowdy and just hyper, but a lot of it was just kind of a gloomy, dark feeling. This is where our story really begins. What happened to those who were left behind? What happens to the students who have gone back to school after something like this? To find the answer, we begin at one of the worst trauma a school has gone through in the recent history. Good morning. We have breaking news. We're going to pause now for an ABC News special report. For those of you just joining in, we've been having coverage of the shooting at an elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut, the Sandy Hook Elementary School, in which 27 people were killed. 20 I'm Douglas Walker. I'm the Chief Programs Director at Mercy Family Center. Dr. Douglas Walker is a clinical psychologist with over 25 years of experience. They worked with some of the Sandy Hook families in the aftermath of the tragedy. We know that after a mass, a casualty event, whether it's one person or many, there are basically five elements that are impacted, but also you can leverage for long-term recovery. The first is the, the sense of safety. This idea that schools should be, and according to experts, still are safe places, Basically, our brains can't really learn if we are not feeling safe. I think a lot of people are a lot more anxious and a little more worrisome, and so it kind of gets in our head. By the way, that's Ben again. Instead of learning, we're a little more cautious of what's going around, and that's an unfortunate reality. Whenever I hear a little, like, loud noise or something, it always just makes me just drop whatever I'm thinking and then just automatically focus on that. Our brains can become very sensitized to sound sites, what we call triggers or reminders. And so along with that sense of safety comes getting individuals' brains more in tune with the everyday. And that's part of what individual therapy does. Safety, calm, and then connectedness. And that can be difficult in terms of a shooting event because there are a lot of sides that can immediately be taken. So basically, 
there's a lot that is unknown. Why this person decides to take a gun to school? What was this person going through? It's so easy to take the side that fits our narrative without really having all the information. So coming together as a community may not be as easy as people believe. The fourth element that Dr. Walker mentioned is self-efficacy, and this is a tricky one. It's basically the idea that our actions are going to lead to more positive things. So if you're a good person, good things should happen to you. When something like a shooting happens, that notion is shattered. And finally, the fifth element that we always look for and comes in various ways is this idea of hope, that we can become uh, bigger than ourselves and that we can attach ourselves to the good in this world and, uh, and move forward. Move forward. I want to stop here for a second because during our interview, Ben said something that stuck with me. And just walking through those hallways again was just very unsettling to me, especially going towards the uh, auditorium because that's where we had to walk walk towards with our hands in the air. And we did, yeah, it was just unsettling to us. How do you move forward when you have to constantly walk through the place where it all happened? I think the first step is to not suppress it, to be willing to first acknowledge it and get support and support each other. That's David Osher. He's a vice president and institute fellow at American Institutes for Research. He's been researching this topic for a very long time. He even testified in front of Congress a couple of times and led an expert panel for the Department of Justice on this topic of school violence. You should not have to walk the hall feeling unsafe. But the way that you will ultimately be able to walk the hall and not keep on thinking about what happened is if the people around you make you feel okay with yourself and with the school and, you know, and let you have gone through not just the trauma, but the grief. I think that uh, ceremonies oftentimes can mark a time of new beginnings. That's Douglas Walker again. Oftentimes the conversation is around when do we end remembering or recovering, begin getting back to our normal or new normal in, in learning again. That is probably the most difficult question or conversations that I have with school administration because that grieving process is gonna be different for everyone. Ceremonies, group meetings, spaces for students, parents, administrators, just to talk, to come together and allow themselves to be vulnerable and not let the pain win. Ben has been back to school for months now, slowly getting adjusted to the new normal, still walking the hallways where it all happened, but hoping the memories of having SWAT teams escort him out of the school will soon be replaced by better ones. A lot of people at Tabor are a lot more close now because there's people in my classes that I have literally never talked to, but they checked up on me and I checked up on them also. And it's just like everybody around me has reached out to me and made sure I was okay. So it just, it feels amazing that people care that much about you. This story was produced by me. Philip McAllister. 
and Thomas Hunter as a part of 88.5 WFDD's Radio 101 series on youth mental health. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's a free 24-hour hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. Radio 101 is made possible in part by a generous contribution from Woody Kleiner. This story was produced as part of a four-credit class at R.J. Reynolds High School in Winston-Salem. The music for this show was composed by Alan Potorak. Additional music by Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs>